Hey, welcome everybody. Uh, we got Tim's Tim's out to lunch here. Oh, here we go. Damn yeah. it. Uh, podcast, <laughs> yeah. podcast number 97. I was going to say Podcast McDavid, but I'm not quite sure if that's his actual number. I'm not an Oilers it fan. Is, it is. It is. Sorry. Fact. Oh, yeah. I know it's yeah. not like Taylor Mid- Hall's number, your favorite former like <laughs> Devils player, but uh, yeah, no, 97 is He's... correct. He's the former every NHL team player. Yes. Yes. Yeah. What a plug. Um, <laughs> McDavid's going to get a hundred points. Just putting it out there. Ooh. Uh, you know what? So? Yeah. He, he has. He has what? Ten games. Get nineteen points. Is it? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah they're they're, they're going to put him on every every shift to hoard those points out. There's no doubt about it. I think he might even have a chance of catching Austin Matthews in the goal-scoring race. I think it's going to happen. He's going to tear it on for the next 10 games and score a pile of goals. <laughs> yeah, you know what? He was a... I, don't, I, don't want to, I don't know what our guest is, if he's a Toronto Maple Leafs fan, but who's tired of listening about Austin Matthews and how good he is? We, we, we have the best <laughs> oh, player yeah. in Edmonton, like, right? And you, you know everybody else is sick and tired of hearing about McDavid, so... Nobody well, even knows about McDavid. About McDavid Nobody even knows reason. about McDavid. Frank Saravalli uh, yeah. wrote an article the other day that was all about how amazing Connor McDavid was, and the rest of the league doesn't even pay it or notice. Like, how do you not notice guys 20 points ahead of everybody else in the league? I mean, when, when uh, Patrick Kane is like, yeah, no, I'm not even trying. I'm not even trying for the points total because... McDavid's just light years ahead of the rest of us. Yeah. That tells you something. But, I mean, yeah. At least it's not like Casey Campbell who's like – or yeah, Cass, Cassie Campbell who's like, yeah, no, Austin Matthews is, has surpassed McDavid now. Not a chance. All credibility out the window. Gone. Not a chance. Gone. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, Good. For our week – oh, what? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they played the Flames quite a few times there. Yeah, you make a good point. Playing your team, Robert. So, <laughs> um, anyways, so uh, it's that time of the week for our nicknames that we come up with uh, way ahead of time, just not on the spot. <laughs> trust me. Uh, I'm Carrie Ranch Hand Kreitz. We have Tim Empty Nester Wiseman, Dexter Tradesman Wiseman, and mm-hmm. Daryl One Vax Down. One more to go, and he's not posting it on social media, Bradley. <laughs> Yeah. Sorry, I know that a lot of people wanted to see, you know, the photo of me getting my shot or the jab done, but you know, not not my style. So, yeah, one one vax down, one to go. Let's, let's When did you get it? More vaccines. Let's go. When did you get it? I got it last week. Yes. Yeah. It was fine. Good? Yeah, no no complications, no issues. I got the Astra, AstraZeneca and there was yeah, no nothing. I mean, even from the 10 minutes after the two days after no no issue at all so don't you don't you, you notice it don't you notice that your left eye is a little bit droopy <laughs> yeah that's normal though buddy. <laughs> oh okay <laughs> none right. of you guys uh none of you guys did you notice that i have headphones in today yeah this yeah, is something new i'm You're kind of working clear. through some some the, issues here but no more yeah. dings no more dings guys right yeah. so, yeah. they'll probably ding let's see no, somebody no, can somebody no. text me please somebody text me to see if it'll uh yeah do you want okay. his number? I give you his number yeah. right now. I just yeah, right <laughs> now. It's my yeah. Interwebs. Yeah. <laughs> no, uh, no, none no, of you guys. We're not no old enough. We're not old we're not, enough. Yeah, not you got to be at least forty, Daryl. But don't twins qualify underlying as underlying conditions? 
I mean, yeah, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. Tim is definitely my underlying condition. <laughs> <laughs> Could you imagine trying to call it? Uh, hello? Uh, hello. You know what? Uh, we, we can probably. What's your problem? We can... Well, I have a twin. Oh, yeah, you're right on the list. Do you think we Do you think we could actually get away with it if we just maybe got a big bodysuit and taped ourselves together and called us Siamese? I mean, we probably could get it. But do we get two shots or get one? Is that like. Is is that is that a thing? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I I don't know. Where, how are we gonna do that? Where are we gonna put our legs? I just hope I just hope you we can't wear one pair of pants. Tim. J- j- just be just be lucky if I wear underwear. Uh, <laughs> all right, well, moving on. From there. Yeah, uh, next topic. Yeah. Good job, Tim. <laughs> So what what's new in everybody's everybody's life besides uh, vaccinations and COVID? Anything, anything well, how about you, Carrie? Anything? Carrie, you got what two three days left? The tax season? You ready to two, see sunshine two more. out there? Two yeah. more. Can't wait. Big plans awesome. this weekend? You got a bowling tournament or something to go to? <laughs> I wish. Yeah. <laughs> just just a little bit of work on the farm. Hopefully, only a, a little bit, and then. Maybe get to enjoy. I don't know. Is the is the weather supposed to be nice? I don't even know what the sun looks it's, like. Yeah. Is that? I hear it's supposed to be rainy for the next couple of days. Oh, cool. Just tonight, just tonight tomorrow here here in Alberta, anyways. Yeah. Edmonton, okay. yeah. But by the weekend, it's supposed to be nice. Golf probably this weekend. Probably get my first couple of games in Saturday, Sunday. Men's league golf starts Monday night. Oh, nice. Nice. It's time to, to new, got some new twigs. So. Good Perfect. for you. Yeah, I'm gonna swing yeah, away. I haven't. I haven't heard anything about. Um, I guess there's probably no team sports yet, probably right. Even though it's outside and less than, uh, what is the Alberta limit for outside? It's still ten. Ten. And there, yeah, the, yeah, the team limit. Like I, I'm on the soccer board as well, and the the training rule is either maximum of ten people, no games, so you can't actually you know wear jerseys and play games, um, or one v one one on one training. So still really limited here. Uh, I'm not sure when that's going to change and what the outlook looks like, but uh, we're definitely backing up the the, the season likely um, until we can actually – kids want to play games. We know that, right? They, they don't want to just do pass the ball or training or ball control. I mean, that's it just gets boring after a while. So mm-hmm. that's been tough. Yeah. I was going to make um, a stupid joke there, but I didn't want people jumping down our throats. I, I believe COVID. I'm getting a vaccination. I think everybody should stay away from each other. I was just going to say COVID hates jerseys, so I totally understand why you're not allowed to wear them. Yeah. What about uh, slow pitch, carry? Is that any? Is it coming on the yeah. horizon? I, I think the same situation. No team sports or anything like that yet. So um, yeah, probably, we... I would think late June, early July, probably we'll hear some stuff, but. We yeah. have no leagues, that's for sure. But I did hear a couple of underground illegal slow pitch tournaments running last weekend, and I hear there's more illegal underground slow pitch <laughs> tournaments running this weekend. Alberta would never do such a thing. Wow. Yeah, that doesn't yeah. sound like Alberta at all. And you wonder why we have 1,900 <laughs> yeah. cases today. What does all the other provinces, are they the same, similar to us as far as sports go and and, and activities, I, or is it? I think BC's right in the same boat as yeah. us now. Ontario, Ontario, definitely not. Yeah, yeah. They they locked even I think regional travel as well in BC. Yeah. So you're you're not allowed to move from the interior to down to the yeah. island or anything. You have to like stay that, within so. your health your health zone. 
right. what what bowling centers across or bowling provinces uh, provinces are able to have bowling open still? Manitoba. Manitoba. Um, Manitoba was the only one that can play. PI and uh, Newfoundland. And uh, uh, no- play, right. at North and Northwest Territories in Yukon. Apparently, Ontario, you came in golf. Yeah, no. I saw that there from Jeff. It's that's crazy, right? And you know, they're, they're one province that you can't golf, but they're going through a pretty hard time, I think, with the you know, big numbers in totally. cases, right? And then there's then there's Manitoba where you can golf, and you can drink in the clubhouse, but you're not allowed to drink on the golf course at all because of COVID. No, no, they changed they changed that. They changed. Oh, did that. they change it? Yeah. Good, because that was that's so backwards. I laughed hysterically. It makes no sense. No, Saskatchewan seems like it's fairly wide open, except for obviously Regina. Right. Regina shut down. Yeah. It'll be interesting to talk. Obviously, our guest coming up, but Nova Scotia. We just saw there that lockdown, uh, the newest one. Right. They're even in, you know, not even leaving the houses. Right. Trying to close the borders. Nobody crossing. And. Right. Yeah. Crazy. Hmm. Well, I think it's about that time. We'll. Uh, oh, I should shout out our merch and all that. Stuff <laughs> should that start I writing names do. too. <laughs> yeah, there's lots yeah. of comments in there. We got a draw tonight. Yeah, we got an all-star draw again, as they are our weekly sponsor again. Um, also, if you want to join us on Patreon.com/slash/FivePinUniverse, you can become a sponsor as little as two dollars a month. And uh, I know we haven't been releasing anything on there as of lately besides the podcast but obviously we're kind of stuck in that that covid zone where we can't do anything like that at the moment but we're hoping to get that up and running here shortly so we'll run our commercial for all-star bowling sales and then we will bring in our special guest of the week so um before we bring him in i kind of want to give a little context for i guess our area in alberta i haven't really heard of um, this gentleman's name before we started doing the podcast. I know he, we're a little disconnected from the Ontario bowling scene and Eastern Canada and stuff like that. But the stories I've heard, the the information we've gotten from Ontario players and even some of the, um, the more prominent Alberta players that are a little bit age advanced compared to us um, is absolutely amazing and he's interlocked with the history of the game and been a big part of it and he's even met the great tommy ryan so uh i'm happy to introduce mr don betts hey don hey guys how are you doing i'm not the same age as tommy ryan i can tell you that I like that, that line, Carrie. Age advanced. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I didn't. How else do you call him old, right? That's what <laughs> the dig, eh? Yeah. I think we start right there, though, Carrie. You had mentioned that Don, you you've met Tommy Ryan. I'm not sure how many people can really say that they've met Tommy Ryan. The, you know. The, originator of the five-pin bowling game. Can yeah, you tell 12. us the story about where you met him? Yeah, I was 12 years old, and uh, I was bowling on the old Ace Lanes in St. Catharines, and there were a change of ownership, and it was changing the name of the Rattle Lanes. And uh, we thought, well, the fellow that was buying the place knew a lot of people. 
had a lot of connections. So they hooked up with Alan Court Lanes in Toronto, owned by the Holt brothers. Said, let's have a match home and away. And then when we open the lanes, we'll bring some special people down. So we went to Toronto and had them a meeting and then brought them back here. And uh, to open the show, uh, they had Tommy Ryan there and they had two young ladies uh, from uh, what they had the hockey, followed by the Don Messer Jubilee. And uh, Joan Fairfax and Joyce Hahn were there, and uh, Tommy Ryan. And uh, after we got to meet everybody, and he gave everybody a picture of himself holding a fight pen and uh, said, best wishes, Tommy Ryan. Just a wonderful gentleman uh, from what I can remember. And uh, we were fortunate to meet him that year because he passed away the following year. Now, you had mentioned earlier that you didn't, you didn't really recognize the importance of meeting him at that time. No, I, but, probably for another 10, 10 years before that. Holy cow, I met the guy in invented this game. You know, it's terrific, you know. And that's, uh, you know, a memory I'll never forget. Yeah, that's very cool. Yeah, yeah that's really neat. So how are things day to day for you right now? I know we are talking, uh, you know, lockdowns and, and you know, Nova yeah, Scotia over here is now, yeah. We're locked down tighter in the drum for the next two weeks. And we, we, uh, I blew a candle pen this year and uh, we got just finished the season uh, two weeks ago. and. We've been able to come and go as we please, as long as you had your mask on, social distancing, the, the usual thing. And, uh, you know, it was really good. I got to see a lot of the province. and uh, But now things are a little different. Uh, in a way, I'm glad, uh, a certain way, I'm glad we're here because my grandkids are here and my son and daughter-in-law, and so we're able to see them. And... Uh, I don't know what it would have been like if we'd have been stuck in St. Catharines and not been able to see them at all. But now we're, and uh, you know, hopefully things will get better. But up until now, we've had a pretty good run. Hmm. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, that's super neat that you took up canopy bowling when you went out there. Um, how how have you been enjoying that? That's it's a bit of a change from five pin, that's for sure. But you know. Smaller, I'll lighter balls, that's probably not a bad thing either. It's kind of a hoot, to be honest with you, because I gave up bowling a couple of years ago before we moved out here. I hadn't bowled for a couple of years, period. And uh, the guy said, why don't you come out here and try a cattle pen? So I went down the bowling alley, they got me on a team, and I've just had a scream with it, because I don't think it's serious. You know, it's, uh, they tell me, hey, you're doing good, you got a 112 average, well, Okay, doesn't mean anything to me. I don't, there's nothing to, to the closest I can guess if you're carrying 212 or one, 112, you're carrying 250, 260, and that's about the best I can figure. But it's a fun game, it's different because uh, the, the only five pin lane is two and a half hours away at uh, the base in Greenwood. It was candle pin or nothing, and a uh, few of the guys have reached out and said, you know, come on down, join our Sunday league in Greenwood. You know, we bowl once a month, and we bowl 10 games at a time. 
I said, yeah, I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> that's a lot. Uh, that's, that's awesome, though. Yeah, totally different game. Um, but you're right. You know, it's something that you can't take seriously because you've, you've never taken it seriously in your life. And I think I think that's kind of the thing with 5-pin, right? The better you get at 5-pin and um, the more competitive you get, it, it almost becomes a little bit less fun at times because it becomes serious in moments where you can't just just go out and just have a good time. You can't go out there and not do well and still enjoy yourself. So uh, I think picking up a game like Candlepin, you know, would be super fun to do because it doesn't matter. One thing I've always known, every sport that i played, I knew when I'd had enough. Uh, the last baseball game I threw when I was 50 and we won the championship and I went home and threw my shoes in the garbage and gave my son my glove. I said, I'm done. Uh, when I finished, uh, when I come out here to play basketball, I, I never touch another basketball after that. And with bowling, I walked away and I knew when I was going to walk away, it was right at the end of a tournament. I was uh, bowling in the seniors division. I was bowling in the stepladder final and uh, against Bernie Bernard. And I was sitting on the bench before I had to bowl him. I was talking to my coach, Paul Oslin. I said, you know what, Paul? It's the first time I can remember. I didn't want to care if I won or lost. And I've never been that way. And I said, I think it's done, done. And that was it. I walked away. Yeah. Just like that. You had mentioned, uh, Don, there, your history playing some basketball and, uh, and fastball. Um, and from all accounts, sounds like you were quite competitive and quite the, the player in both sports. Tell us about that road. As you were young, you played, played all sports and, and even a scholarship you had to St. Mary's for basketball. And then uh, obviously lots of baseball and fast pitch you played too. So tell us more about those crossing you know, over I, into multiple sports. I always seem to be in the right place at the right time for a lot of things. Uh, when I was in high school, we won the city championship and it was the first time that high school had ever won. I was captain of the team. And they've never won it before, and they've never won it since, and that was 1968. So in 52 years, they've never won it since. And the last year I was there, football team decided to join the choir because they heard they were going to Bermuda. Well, by the end of the year, everybody had decided, well, we're not going to go. You know, we're not going to join the choir. Well, buddy of mine and I stuck with it. We ended up going to Bermuda for 10 days, and we're the worst. They were so bad they made us the MCs. But uh, you, you played sports all around back then. Like we weren't specialized. Like you, you know, and then they specialize in one. But back then we played. Uh, you know, I played football. Then I played basketball. Then it was track and field. Then it was baseball in the summer. It was just year-round thing. Baseball I was playing shortstop and. Uh, our pitcher broke his finger, and he says, you think you can pitch? And I says, yeah, I'll give it a go. And I pitched for the next 25 years. So, <laughs> just, you know, one of those things. And uh, basketball, I used to went to St. Mary's, and things didn't work too, too well. And uh, I was down there majoring in uh, uh, racetrack and poker. So that was, poker was my minor, racetrack was my major, so. It was, uh, it was a great year, I'll tell you, outside of basketball. <laughs> and bowling was just more like a, 
it was something to do. It was something different. And I thought, okay. I mean, I bowled when I was a kid. And I six, and about 16 years old, I was bowling in traveling leagues, and I was carrying a 240 average at 16. And then 18, I threw my first perfect game, and had a couple more after that. But Did we lose some audio? We're good. Yeah, I think we're good. I think we just lost audio a little bit. I think we just lost audio a little bit. You okay now? I, th I think so. So you threw your first perfect game when you were 18. Um, that's was, amazing. I was 18 born in the traveling league, and, uh, you know, are Euro because they're carried eight or nine guys in a team. So I shot 15.96 for five. But in the ninth or the fourth game I had, I think I finished with six and then threw 12 the next after that. But that's back when you had pin boys too. We got into that conversation last week or was it last week or two weeks ago yeah. about the pin boys? Yeah, it was yeah. last week. Yeah. Uh, last having week. some favorable sets or some <laughs> some dirty sets. Oh, I, tell yeah. you, I think he kicked it over. But I just didn't want to say anything. I think he, uh, <laughs> yeah. I think he got me for about $20 about 10 times. You know, every time he saw me, he didn't remember when I kicked that corner, but on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Worth That's, every penny. You know, you had said oh, you had six strikes to finish and then 12 to start the next game. Did you start yeah. the third game or the or were, you, or were you done? Did you start the third game with a strike? Five games. I don't know what I had in the third. I think the what fourth a, game I ended up 350 or something and then, you know, right into the perfect game. What I'm getting at is, I wonder what, what's the carrier and Dex and Tim? What's the most strikes that you've thrown in a row? Carry you no, had a perfect game. Um, yeah. Did you finish with some and start with some? Yeah, the most I've thrown. Uh, oh wow, I think is only sixteen. Okay. Yeah. Dex. Yeah. I don't, I don't keep track of anything. Like so I said, I was done. never stats man. Yeah, yeah, I'm the same. I, I, I don't. I know my high game, and that's pretty much it. I don't know a high triple. I don't know any of that stuff. You make it up every year on the on the stats forums. Like I don't literally, know. it's literally. a different, it's a different stat. around here somewhere. Yeah. yeah, I just I, I talk about the most strikes in a row because I think we've heard about Gino or something at mm. one point in time that finished with an eight bagger. Through a perfect game, started with a seven bagger, and next thing you know, he had seventy-four strikes in a row. Right? Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, it'd be interesting to see what the most <laughs> number of strikes in a row that somebody has thrown. I, I think Gino was twenty-six. Yeah, Gino owns the record yeah, yeah. at twenty-six. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's that a legend out there for that too, eh, Don? Yes, well, there Gino. you go. Yeah. <laughs> I'll tell you one thing about Gino Zubarth I won't forget. He, uh, I had cancer uh, the, and uh, one of the teams from uh, Hamill was telling Gino out there because I know Gino pretty well. And uh, he said, uh, you know, Don's got cancer. So what he did is he sent a hat back from all the guys from Alberta, Alberta signed it and sent it back for me to wish him good luck. Uh, no, don't forget things like that. Right. 
Gino is an awesome guy. Um, he, oh, he is. He's, he's definitely known for being, let's call it animated on the lanes. Um, but um, <laughs> he, anybody who knows Gino knows that he's got the biggest heart of anybody. Um, I've often said if I broke down anywhere in Alberta and I called Gino, he'd be the first guy there. Like, for sure. Almost, yeah. almost. I had sure. to. In our second match, and uh, come right down to the tenth frame, I needed to throw a, a double and more than a head pin. And of course, I got the double and punched the head pin. And Gino beat me by one pin. Mm. Wow! The old mm. one pin loss. Kind of the way the cookie crumbles, I <laughs> guess. Yeah. But yeah, that sucks. Well, he was just good even for what I did to uh, Greg Gigalak the year in eighty eighty four. I struck out. Uh, no, I left the corner from the last ball. I beat Greg by one pin. Nice. So it was good even play. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I always you... had a lot of fun with the guys from the last day. Yeah. Yeah. They're Did you know that you needed the strikeout? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Of course. Yeah, he was finished. And uh, I went up to throw two strikes in a, in a 43 count. That's what I got. That's awesome. Amazing. That's nice. So I'm 1-1 so, against Alberta. No, wait a minute. I'm 2-1 and one against Alberta because I beat Bruce Mortar in that Canadian uh, <laughs> Open. KG. Oh. No. Oh. Are they probably were in the can't remember those. <laughs> Collective memory. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Absolutely. Um, so back in the, when did you start getting really competitive in bowling? Was it sort of, um, you had said about 240 average, you know, as a 16 year old, and then your first perfect game at 18, did you start playing in the, the open tournaments right away out of, out of high school and start no, competing I, in those? I know you've got quite an extensive. The open. Back then you had to be 21 to play in the open. Okay. So I was 18 and then I went to, like I said, I went to Halifax for a year. I came back and. I think it was a 72, uh, Bruce Lounsbury, a good friend of mine who passed away. He was uh, running the bowling alley at the Penn Center, and he said, uh, you're going to go in the open. And I said, uh, what's the open? He said, well, that's, you know, we bowl 10 games, three weeks in a row, bowl 30 games, and uh, you make the team, you go to the provincials. And I said, oh, okay. So I went out and I uh, threw 370 the last game to, make the men's team and uh and then on i fell in love with the tournament you know you went to hamilton against 24 other zones and it was so tough to get out of our zone never mind you know go to uh the provincials and try and win get out of our zone we had i don't know probably 40 guys that could make it and 30 that were 250 or better so you knew when you went there especially after 30 games you weren't going there with any fringe players. There's over 30 games in three different houses. You know, you better have your A game or forget it. Yeah. Now, was every other zone across the province just as strong as you, or were there still some weak outliers? That... I, I would say out of the 24, 22 were competitive, 16 were incredible. <laughs> and then that's about it. Like, 16 zones that were just 
you know, just loaded with talent, you know. Can you imagine if they just took Toronto and just had one zone in that whole area instead of having Central West? So, you know, they would have just massacred everybody because they have so many much talent to choose from, and so much talent would have been sitting, you know, at home watching. Yeah, but there was, to me, there was nothing like the Open uh, when Easter weekend rolled around, and when you went home on. Saturday or Sunday after it was over, you wish bowling was over for the year because the next month you just went through the motions. Yeah. Right, because if you if you didn't win, then you're like, oh, I'm done. I might as well just focus yeah. on to next year. But if you're a lucky one to win, well, sure you do it. Eh? That, uh, you know, you go home and you say, I'll never throw another ball again. And boy, then yeah. September rolls around. You can't wait. You know. <laughs> I mean, the Masters was great and everything, but uh, the Open was it to me. And all it did was cost you money. You know, you had to take a week off work. And uh, you won, you had to take another week off. And like in 74, when we won, you flew out the next day. You know, we went to British Columbia on the Sunday. You know, the banquet was Saturday night and you flew out Sunday. Oh, wow. Great. So you back to back two weeks off, yeah. Yeah, you had to have, you had to book the time ahead. I was lucky. I worked for a company that you know there was no problem. And uh, boy, that was <laughs> I can remember when we won. Uh, Bruce Lounsbury, again a good friend of mine, we drove back to St. Catharines. We were born in Guelph, and it was only an hour back to St. Catharines. And we had a banquet that was going on back there, so uh, we went there and saw my parents, and you know everybody knew we'd won, and you know can't get out of there without having a couple of calls and uh, we went home and changed uh, clothes and ended up heading back with the top down in his convertible heading back about 40 degree weather it was snowing we got the top down like say arrest saying to everybody arrest me you know we went down a one-way street main main drag in st Catharines. i said uh, bruce i think we're going the wrong way so we turned around and went back and how do they know which way we're going I was guessing because <laughs> the traffic was coming right at <laughs> So then we drove back and Mickey Piker was our coach at the time and uh, we pulled in about five in the morning and up. Meanwhile, we had two guys in the team that didn't want to fly because they'd never flown before. They wanted to take a, a bus, a boat or a uh, we call it a train. I said, no, we don't have time for that. I said, don't worry about it. I said, when you get on the plane, just start reading Life magazine. And just before the plane crashes, jump in the air and you'll be fine. <laughs> and off we went. How fun would so, that be, though, if we did have nationals now right after Easter weekend? You go to provincials for five days, the winner team, and let's go, right? Yeah, I'll tell you, as... the plane ride was fantastic. I'll tell you. The time we landed in British Columbia, we were ready to roll, all right. But it was, you know, that was that was a great trip. Uh, I said we won, and uh, we had a 550 pin lead with one game to go, and we won by 48 pins. Talk about the wheels fall off the wagon, you know. It, and it, it was, was run uh, a little. Sorry. Pardon? It, it was, was run a, just, just it, it was, it was, it was, 
It was run a little bit differently. Yeah. And, uh, you know, there was a, uh, airplane strike going out at the time. So, uh, nobody could get back home, but I was going on to Vernon to see my cousins. And I went in there for two months before I come home. I came home, met my wife and got married. And 46 years later, here we are. Nice. That's awesome. What year did they change that? Tim, do you know? The, of... next, year. the next year. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. They changed it in Ontario. Then they changed it out uh, in the national suit. Because we, we kid on we change the format. But, yeah. yeah. Is it? But every, every trip. Sorry, what was that, Don? I'm just saying, every trip was an adventure. It seems uh, the four nationals I went to, there was always something that happened. You know, uh, We went out in 83, we were in Thunder Bay. And uh, we got clobbered pretty good. And uh, but one night we decided, Paul Asselin and myself decided, well, we're going to go visit the hospitality rooms. We heard there was hospitality rooms. The first one we walked in was Saskatchewan. And they looked at us like we had three eyes. We'd never seen Ontario people come and visit. So that night we went and visited them all. And we were not feeling very well the next day. You know, I <laughs> So we uh, were sitting at our table trying to eat breakfast the next morning, and uh, President Jack Hales sat down at the table and probably paid us the best compliment we ever could have had back then, especially after we were getting our butt kicked. That uh, he did more for Ontario by going to those hospitality rooms than anybody who's ever done in here, any year there. So, so that was nice. Like I said, everything, every year there was something. You know? Uh, you want me to finish this line I'm, we're talking about now? Absolutely. Okay, 84, we go out to Saskatoon. We leave uh, Ontario. It's 75 degrees. We land in Saskatoon. It's snowing. So I don't know whether it was the, the weather change or what, but we checked in the hotel, went down the bowling alley, and said, okay, you know, we're going to throw a few games. Coach Paul Asselin said, all right. So I threw two balls as well. Go back to the hotel. I said to my wife, I said, it's first year I took my wife to one of these too. So this was a rude awakening for her. And uh, <laughs> lay down. I'm have a drink the whole week. That's how bad it was. And uh, But I ended up bowling. I was bowling singles and team at the same time. And uh, I made the step ladder, the singles, and then I got beat out. And uh, we finished second with the team. Saskatoon beat us. So when it's all over, we go to the banquet, and you know they announce the all-star team. And well, I said, "Hey, you made the all-star team." So they call my name up, and they read these stats off. I shot 289 over the course of that tournament. And I just finished shooting 296 for. 25 games in Ontario, so I said, oh, that's all right. Well, the guy that won the singles that year turns his head to me and he says, geez, I didn't think you were that good. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, you got a better and even chance of beating me if you keep your mouth shut. Well, wouldn't you know I met him on a TV show and I get these 
emails and uh, not emails, uh, telegrams from out BC and said, well, you got them. Let's see what you do with them. Well, enough said. I stopped them and we were even. <laughs> I want to. I want to know who it was and what did. What was the score? And did you fist pump him while you're throwing the ball? Yeah. I no, was doing that. the Russians. I was doing the Russian splits up in the air. I was sliding across the lane because they said. <laughs> I, I worked. I had this face that would have haunted a few castles on the weekend. Believe me, I. It was one of those wins that you really wanted, and boy, you know. Problem was, once I won, now I'm in the final against George Church. You want to know the guy's name? It was Red Brochure from BC. To me, I don't think he was ever heard from again, to be honest with you. <laughs> when you put him into retirement. <laughs> now I don't know what happened. I, I wanted to win that game so bad, I forgot how to bowl the next game against uh, uh, George Church from Swan River. George been averaging about 220 through the, you know, three matches. Everybody he met just, you know, he didn't bowl that great, but he bowled enough to win. And I just shot three 300 games in a row. And, uh, well, I come up against him and threw a buck 71, and I think he shot 190. And the guys at work, they couldn't wait to get a hold of me when I got back on the Monday. And they said, how could you throw a dollar 71 on TV? And they kept giving it to me. I said, well, when's the last time you throw a dollar seventy one and they give you five thousand dollars for it? <laughs> yeah. <No>. True enough. <laughs> yeah. So well we'll go to eighty six. That was uh, another fun time. You know, made the mixed team. Uh, they they said I missed a corner pin in the, when I was qualifying out of Niagara on purpose to make the mix, but but the mixed team won. We won pretty handily. Then we went out west, and it was a dogfight all the way through. And we were sitting about, uh, I think we we're four points behind Saskatchewan again. And we were bowling BC, and Northern Ontario was bowling Saskatchewan. But prior to did their coach say to their guys, there's no way you can lose to Ontario because they're nothing but drunks and ladies of ill repute. Of course, I couldn't hold it back. I had to go tell our team. Of course, Gary Green, our coach, got us all fired up. And, uh, we beat them 8 nothing, And I'll tell you, when we came back, we give them the fist pumps. We give them the whole ball of wax. And uh, now, we bowl, well, now we're bowling in the final against BC. And Northern Ontario girl says to me, Don, what do you need to happen? I says, we need you guys to beat them 6-2, and we got to win 6-2. Then you know, at least we got a playoff. Well, they clobbered them. We're in a nip and tuck battle with BC right down to the 10th frame. In the meantime, Ontario had already won the ladies and the men's. And they said, well, you know, you got to do it. You got to do it. So they come down to me on the bottom. You know, of course, you know, everybody wants to make their last foul shot to win the game or throw the strike to win the game. I get up on the approach, and as luck would have it, I threw a strike, and we got the gold medal. And for the first time ever, and it's never happened since, three our province swept all three championships, and that's never happened before, and hasn't happened since. But a lot of things right? happened out there too. We haven't we had, had men's mixed or ladies. 
that have that have uh... won them all. We won the men's mix and ladies. And my buddy Greenside, who was bowling singles, finished third, the bum. And uh, Johnny <laughs> Dreyer finished second and got the silver medal. <laughs> but we also, that was the year they had Expo, so we were able to go out to Expo for the day. Yeah, uh, they took the yes. other day off and we went out, on, went out to Expo for the day. And I think we saw maybe three, you know, expositions and then we saw pretty good. But what happened to us out there too is Gary Green and myself, our wives were pretty close friends. They pranked us. They uh, said, uh, it, what we did know is they bought us the same outfits for the swimming pool. So down we come in our nice yellow outfit. And I get in, the, I walk on one side of the pool, he walks in the other. We look and we got the same outfits on. We look like uh, two beach whales with harpoons in them, I'll tell you. <laughs> <laughs> That was a lot of fun. Okay, guys, go ahead. Sorry. Sorry. Hey, I also heard a rumor um, from uh, your good friend um, that you did call out that uh, there might have been a streaker one year. Yeah, there was. Uh, geez, I seem to have lost his name at the time, but streaked the bowl out of Commodore Lanes in uh, British Columbia. He was in the Ontario contingent. Can't remember his name offhand. He was kind of a wild and crazy guy, anyway. <laughs> well, we had a lot of adventures, believe me. Uh, <laughs> we pulled a lot of pranks, you know. Uh, you know, <laughs> one of those things. <laughs> Sounds I like can, you had some fun. That's awesome. I can embellish a few if you like. Uh, <laughs> one of, and his nickname is Daffy Duck. And you wonder how he got it. Well, if you knew him, you'd know why. But <laughs> who is uh, that? Sorry, Steve Greenside. Oh, okay, yeah. We wrote at the Nationals for uh, the Masters, and Kevin O'Leary and myself, Kevin O'Leary from Newfoundland, and myself. They took us. We're bowling in Nanaimo, and they took us up to this island for a fish roast, a salmon fish roast. You know, and a party and everything. Really, no, really neat idea. So we got out to the island there. Stevie was roaming around someplace, but so me and Kevin sat down and we ate, you know, our fill of fish and it was terrific and everything. And Stevie come back and we just had beer in front of us and he said, uh, you know, are you guys, uh, you know, not eating any fish? He said, no, you can't eat fish when you drink beer. He said, you get violently ill. Stevie looked at us and said, are you kidding me? He said, no, I'm not kidding you. He says, you see any fish in front of us or see any and the guys next to us? No. So he sits down. So this goes on for about a half an hour. Nobody's saying anything. Then we tell him. We wait till the last piece of fish is gone. Said, Stevie, uh, you know, why don't you go get a piece of fish? He said, no, I don't want to get sick with the beer. I said, we're only kidding you. Of course, now he goes and gets the, try to get some fish, and the only thing left are a few crumbs of potato chips, I think. So that's when we started calling him Daffy Duck. So what happens is Kevin O'Leary meets, we meet each other in the sem, in the semifinals for the singles. Place is packed. Uh, you know, Kevin O'Leary are good buddies and we're having a good time. Hey. hey. 
And he had gone down and rented a Daffy Duck costume, and he's standing behind us dressed up as Daffy Duck. Nice. <laughs> so that was just one of the crazy things. And that night, with, that night at the banquet, uh, Kevin and myself dressed up as uh, New York Yankees, and uh, we hang towels because the Yankees were way out in front, and Blue Jays were about fourth. So with different uh, different provinces, uh, everybody got uh, a crank drift, I guess you could call it. Well, that's enough of that. <laughs> sounds sounds, sounds <laughs> like there would have been some, uh, some good photos out there, probably lingering somewhere on on of your. Uh, I have the, some the, team photos. Team there, photos. Dee Dee. I can bring them up, Kerry. Sure, that works. The Yankees photo would have been fun, but I mean, even like the meeting Tom, Tommy Ryan photos. I mean, you've got probably great albums, but we dug up a few photos here from the uh, from the O five Facebook page. So that was eighty six. That's the year we went to headbands. Uh, we decided I, I we always uh, Niagara always had hats. Okay, we always got hats for about twenty years. I started that yeah. about. I was into it. Now, uh, Gary, the guy with the beard, the second from the left, he's uh, he was a coach. He's the only one who was allowed to wear a feather because he was a North American Indian. Nobody else could wear feathers. <laughs> nice. I, I love it. I love the headbands. That's awesome. I love the outfits, you know, like the, the probably would have been some tight pants, polyester pants, and uh, the shirts would have been pretty warm, I'm sure. But well, they were knit knit shirts, yeah, yeah. Um, and then I like that they was, allowed uh, the red pants. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's funny, you know. We had those in Ontario, or not Ontario, Niagara. We we had red, different changes of uniforms, and we had gone to red pants for years. So when we, you know, got red pants for uh, Ontario, we we also had our red pants from Niagara. So we had, you know, two sets of pants when we went out there. I like it. Now, yeah. there you go. What a crew that! Holy crap! <laughs> I'll tell you, that's, that's the first time a, that a men's team. That's the first first time that we had a woman coach for the men. Yeah, and she was good. I'll tell you, we had a lot of fun. I think we finished about twenty eighth out of twenty seven, yeah. but you know. <laughs> now fair to say that uh, Ontario would have been the most competitive in that you know decades 70s 80s you know in there uh, overall yeah. as a generalized statement is that fair to say um, you know yeah, maybe yeah. not so much anymore pretty competitive now but the Ontario women were dynamite from Hamilton they Boy, I think they won three out of four years. They, they were something else. And uh, the ladies from uh, uh, the men's team, like we went, up, we went on a bit of a run there, 83 and 84. Not very often you go back to back from. And uh, it was uh, 
it was something else. I'll tell you, uh, it was fun. When you lost now, after being to the Nationals, your year was really over, you know, when you lost at the Provincials. Because you're so used to looking forward to going to, uh, you know, the National. That's a team we got murdered. But you see the guy in the middle at the bottom? Every time when he threw his first strike, he uh, did a backflip right on the lanes. <laughs> we need to bring that back. Now somebody needs to bring weird. back the backflip. I feel like if somebody did a backflip, now they'd get punched out. You know what? A A5 has insurance on their bowlers. We're okay. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Who do we think is going to do a backflip now? Somebody, Stephen Stephen Lorcher. Stephen Lorcher. Yeah, for sure. I know in uh, 84 was when we got to meet Tommy Patterson with the headphones. Yeah. And if you see that chat, Mr. Schools was probably 57, 58, terrific bowler, you know, just incredible. But he, he never got excited. He never got, you know, wound up. We were, we were all the crazies. He just kind of watched the show. But we saw the headphones and we said, Johnny, you're bowling against them. And Tommy had said, and Tommy probably won't up to this, but Tommy had said, how come you put the old guy against me? You know, you know, what's, he's the guy in the middle here now in this up on top next to the big fella. And uh, he said, why don't you put somebody good against me? Well, Johnny gave him a lesson. And uh, like I said, Johnny wasn't excitable. We said, hey, Johnny, don't you jump? We jumped about a foot off the ground. He says, how's that? <laughs> that was it. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. But nice. Tommy's a great guy. The uh, fierce competitor. We had our run-ins because we had different ways we handled things and different vessels. You're going to have different clashes of personalities. You know, I was more of a wild card, you know. Uh, I like to have fun. I took the game serious on the lanes, and once I walked away, I was just going to have a good time. Uh, I can remember uh, one year, one year when I uh, finished first uh, overall in the singles for Ontario. I think I won by seven or eight hundred pins. Uh, I used to shoot. I don't know. The first day I'd shoot thirteen hundred, maybe thirteen twenty-five for five. But for the next four tournaments on the Sunday, I shot 15 and change. And that was about being out all night and, uh, you know, getting there in time to bowl. You know. that, way, that was the way I trained. I think that's why they wouldn't let me go back to the bowling school. They had me on a seminar at the bowling school one year, and they were asking different guys how they trained. And, you know, they'd ask uh, Ian Cameron, what do you do before a tournament? And, you know, he'd say, well, I'd throw maybe 20, 25 practice games. And, you know, get ready for the tournament. And they asked Dale Strutt, and he said, well, I'd throw, you know, practice full three leagues a week. And, you know, and they'd ask me, I said, well, I'd, I'd stay out all night. Then I'd go bowling, you know, have a couple cold ones, and ready to play. I don't know why they didn't ask me back, but that was it. <laughs> yeah. Donnie, I see something happening here. You're, you're Donnie Betts, DB. I'm... Throw Bradley DB. I think that you and I would have gotten along just fine. That was sort of my mantra as well. And I, I never got invited to the bowling school once, even to begin with. So you broke that lesson. You broke that for me. <laughs> but, but, yeah. That was the way that uh, I sort of rolled too. And, and, and I worked you know, with the kids. Uh, yeah. it's, it's funny because uh, 
for two years, my wife and I, we uh, ran the Bantam program at uh, Playmore Lanes, and our kids were born. And uh, like my one son, uh, we were the only family two sons to win the provincial championship back to back. And uh, he was, <laughs> yeah, he, he was one of those kids that once he got him on the lane, look out. But I guess he was a lot like his father. He until then he didn't care. But once he's, they turned the lights on, it was time to play. And and now he lives in Texas and bowls tentman. Oh wow! But it's a uh, you know what it, it was a good part time job too the the sports uh, you know. Uh, I'm just looking at some of the stuff you guys got written down. and Like, I only bowled five years in the Masters, or six years or whatever it was. Before I bowled and when I bowled a second time. And it was just expensive. It was, you know, you're going away for, if, especially if you're, you know, two, three hours away, you're staying overnight, you know, or driving down the night before. So a couple nights in all hotel and, uh, you know, you add your gas and your money, and you're paying 165 dollars to pull. Well, now you're up to around 400 dollars. Well, it's a thousand dollars for first. The plan I worked at, if I worked there for the weekend, I made that. So now I had to make more than four dollars, 400 dollars, to tell my wife that uh, it's okay to pull. You know, it was that was one of the main reasons I got out of it. It was just uh, it got expensive. And, uh, it was great competition. Boy, if you didn't, uh, you know, we had 90 men bowling, I think, at the time. And the hay, hay, you 260-something, you didn't make the cut. And, you know, uh, 32 guys made the cut. And then on the stepladder, you didn't shoot, you know, 275, 280 average. You didn't make the stepladder. Uh, yeah. It just, I don't know, maybe because, like I said, where I worked at the plant, the money was good. And uh, we were working a lot of weekends, and in the end, the ends didn't justify the means. And enough yeah. was enough. That's all. I know one year we, between the Masters and the uh, Open tournaments, uh, a friend of mine who passed away, Mickey Piker, we bowled 20 tournaments in 33 weeks. Uh, you know, we were making good money at it. So, but uh, you know, the Masters, it, it, to me, it was. Uh, not the way things are, but I think if you had to go out and get sponsors, like you had to, like we had a, a league that was uh, a pro league on Sunday nights that we had 10 sponsors that just kicked in 100 bucks each. Well, 100 bucks, 100 bucks back then. And uh, I think if the Masters would have gone hard at sponsors and not being afraid because Carlings was a sponsor that why not get Labatt's involved too or because if you look at the tentpin tournaments, okay, they're sponsored by three different beer companies, three different uh, tire, you know, manufacturers. Uh, I think at the time they were naive and thought, well, you know, we don't want to, you know, burn our bridges here. No. Well, that was just, you know, my thinking on it. That's all. Yeah, yeah, totally. We're, we're I said I love the competition. Like we had a lot of fun. Uh, I think the first prank we ever played was. Uh, First tournament we bowled the first year I was there. That's uh, Paul Ashland and myself had just arrived and uh, we were staying overnight and bowling the next day. So we're going. And I looked at the side and I said, Room 210. 
I said, is that for 210? The guy says, yeah. I said, well, that's us. We're going there now. So we paid the guy the money, went to and ate the pizza. And if that wasn't bad enough, we thought, well, let's find out who's in 210. So we go downstairs, we phone, come downstairs and say, uh, uh, this is Mr. Toss. He says, yes, uh, we have a pizza down here. You have to come down and get it. He says, can't you bring it up to the room? He says, no, it's, it's, it's the rules. You can't. So he come down in his bathroom, over sitting behind reading newspapers so he can't see us. We're laughing our butt off. Well, he's madder than heck. Next day he comes up to me and he says, somebody stole our pizza last night. I said, you got to be kidding. Those rotten sons of guns. Who the heck would do that? So we wait till noon and we phone a pizza joint. They bring the pizza down. So we're making sure he's up on the lane and not watching. We said, go down there and deliver this to him. We give the guy a couple of bucks and, and say, sorry, sir, your pizza's late, but here it is now. <laughs> well, everybody in the bowling alley knows what's going on. But this guy, so now he goes on the lane, Model Toss turns around. He says, here you are, sir. Here's the pizza. Sorry, we're a little late with it. Then he looked at us and we're dying. The whole bowling alley is just dying. So <laughs> what does he awesome. do? Yeah. What he, what he does that night is we have a dance, and it's a hat dance. Doesn't he wear the pizza and the box to the hat dance? Wins the first prize, and then sells the pizza that he's had all day to some guy for $5. He <laughs> <laughs> got the last laugh. But, uh, I guess uh, Paul asked him, I saw we traveled, uh, we roomed together for a lot of years in the open and everything, and we had a lot of laughs. He used to call us Oscar and Felix because uh, he was uh, Felix. He had his side of the room, you could, you know, eat off it. My side, you could tell where I came in the door because he just followed the trail of clothes. You know? <laughs> <laughs> we had a lot of good times. I'm sure people were just lining up to room with you if you just strip naked every time you walk <laughs> into your room. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you, we had a lot. I had a few too many and uh, trying to find my find my room. I got my fingers up on the thing trying to feel the numbers. And one of the guys came over and said, what are you looking for? He said, I'm looking for my room, you <laughs> dummy. Said, what room are you in? It's it's a said, You're going to have trouble finding it because uh, the numbers are painted on. I said, oh, okay. No. That's the way it happens. And he took me to my room, showed me where my room was. That's uh so we did we did different things we had a lot of fun but we got on the lanes you know everything was for real you know and, uh, it was kind of I told, you know you sold yourself to the devil they said there's no way that you can you got a soul when you can go out and do that on you know the next day on a tournament and i said well that's the way that's the way things are you know what are you gonna do uh <laughs> So he said, I'm going to go with you one night. So we took him and Ray Mambo Cat, who had never won a tournament in his life. Took him out for the night. We were playing in Ottawa. We went over to Quebec and came back. And then we went back to the hospitality room to about 7 in the morning. And Ray goes out and wins a 10% tournament, which was the big one for the, uh, the Masters. And... Uh, Paul didn't win a match the next day. He says, I'll never train with you. 
Sometimes you win, sometimes you lose. (laughs) (laughs) I wonder if there's a story here. Greg Pederitis uh, had a nice comment for you, Donnie, and he says something about uh, go get the limo. Is there any backstory behind the limousine that you could share with us? Well, it was a... (laughs) Every time it seemed that the class Calcutta, which is investment seminar, uh, I, we just say, go get the limo, you know, because whoever we got is going to win. Well, it happened three years in a row. We had, we had uh, Dale Boothman here, he won. Uh, uh, Greg came second. We had him. We had Dale Strutt when he won. <laughs> like, the only year I won, they, Jerome Rack had me, if you remember Jerome Rack. Uh, great guy. From, he was from uh, Saskatchewan originally, then he moved to B.C. Uh, mm-hmm. Just a great guy, and uh, he had me in the investment seminar. And you know the guys are bad from Ontario, but uh, that's the way things go. So, so sounds like a Johnstone like, run right now. He's uh, running. Right we need to start telling Johnny go get the limo. Hey, yeah, yeah, <laughs> I agree, totally. Go get the limo, fill it up. You know, and quick story about Greg, <laughs> and there's yes. a few, but this one was priceless. We were at uh, we were at KG for a tournament, and Bill Williams and myself and him decided to go, and go to Sears. We always want to pick something up for the ladies before we went home. Never went home empty-handed, you know. God forbid. So we're in Sears, and Billy Williams looking at a dress for his wife. And uh, lady, the sales girl, standing there, and Bill says, "You know, you got this in me." The lady says, "Yeah." And, and Pedrito says, "Have you got?" I said, no, it's for me, you dummy. <laughs> so it was, uh, you know, we had a lot of fun. Uh, Greg, Greg was good to travel with, lots of laughs. Uh, we had him up on stage at the KG, and I'll tell you, he was hilarious. Just, you know, one liner after another. And, uh, pretty funny. We had a lot of, a lot of good times. It, it, it sounds like you've had, like, Almost more fun off the lanes than on the lanes, <laughs> oh, <laughs> which is good, sure. right? Oh, that was the name of the game. I was, you know, uh, I took my wife, I think, for the first seven or eight uh, provincials. And finally, she said, forget this. She says, I never know when you're going to bed. I know where you are, you know, usually across the hall in the hospitality room. But, you know, you're up all night. Then you're going, boy, you know, she just shake her head. But she did have uh, she did have one great line. I must admit, we we're both in a mixed league together, and uh, our back then, you know, you brought your own. So our team liked to have a few. My wife wasn't much of a drinker; liked to have a good time. She didn't need booze. So we uh, finished off a twenty-sixer in the third game. And so I said, see that? Not bad for somebody drinking. She just turned to me and said, if you had been sober, you'd have shot 450. <laughs> what are you going to say? <laughs> yeah. That's the whole, I got 96% on a test. Well, what happened to the other 4%? <laughs> exactly right. No, exactly. Come on. <laughs> yeah. she's, she's always been my, you know, she, I always said if I had married her, I'd end up jail or dead. So, uh, 
the thing is if i uh, you know I, I won't say it anymore <laughs> but i'll leave it at that but it's true <laughs> i uh i had some run-ins there's no doubt about it did you play a lot of other you know cash tournaments uh, events um was there you know thriving ontario circuit uh, where was yeah, where did you play most of that? Yeah, we played. Uh, they used to have a tournament every month in Toronto at April Lanes, and then uh, like the uh, the Masters had. Uh, I, I'm pretty sure it's five compulsory tournaments. We counted giveaways like you bowl four and count yeah, three or whatever. You know, it was. Uh, then we had uh, three open tournaments. Then plus you had the you know two tournaments with the kids. Uh, we had the Grape and Wine, which was a big festival in St. Catharines, Grape and Wine Festival. And uh, that was a big term. That was $4,000 uh, for first. Uh, only 50 bowlers allowed in it. And uh, I won that one year. I won the Rose Festival. was $2,000. But, uh, you know, we, we tried Motor City Bowl. I won that one year. That was in uh, Oshawa. We, we traveled around. Uh, I, I remember we went to... Uh, we bowled at a tournament in Preston Lanes in Ottawa, and then there was a tournament the next day in Masson, Quebec. Uh, Dick Bellefouillet and his son uh, Mike uh, ran it, and uh, we went down and bowled that. We were, uh, we did a lot of things. Uh, Mickey Piker was who I traveled with a lot for these open tournaments, and uh, Mickey was uh, an expert at reading the lanes. He was just, you know, we'd go into place and practice on different lanes, and He'd say this lane goes that way, this lane goes that way, and you know, turn the speed up here, turn the speed down there. Like, and uh, it paid off for us. Uh, I think in that 20 tournament stretch, we won eight times between us. One of us won, you know, at least, you know, eight times. We always seem to bring money home anyway. It was, uh, and I, I only bowled once a week, twice a week for a while, and then once a week most of my life uh, because. Uh, and we're bowling so many tournaments that, uh, you know, why practice through the week when you're going to be away every weekend? You know? yep. It's, uh, yeah, that's that's a good thing to talk about there, too, is um, you even mentioned it, or it's mentioned in your bio there about um, learning how to read the lanes and learning how to um, change speeds. And learning how to like, read the lanes is something that not a lot of people do, but more people should do. Um, changing speeds, something nowadays is, is not super common anymore. It's, it's definitely uh, one of the more difficult adjustments to make these days. Um, so that, that's pretty neat that you guys went out of your way to master those. We are, uh, because you're bowling. Uh, uh, i tell you a story. Uh, some town in Quebec, anyway, I forget the uh, name of the town. It's like we, we had about 10 guys come down from Ontario to pull on it. And they had them dressed like duck pin lanes, like, you know, all kinds of oil. Like you're balking back with oil on it. And, uh, you know, the guys couldn't get the ball to break. And I was lucky enough to, you know, slow the ball down. And, you know, uh, but after the, the tournament was over and the stepladder started, and I, I made the stepladder and oiled the lanes again. <laughs> And uh, I found out when I got into the stepladder that the four guys in front of me all threw that, uh, you know, duck pin ball, that backup thing. You know, they throw the ball like that. 
and it turns halfway down or whatever. I couldn't figure it out. I didn't waste my time with it anyway, but uh, I was able to slow the ball down enough that I was able to adjust enough for that. But they make a big production out of it. Uh, they had stands that they opened up and the place was packed, you know, and I'm looking, I got, you know, four Frenchmen uh, pulling in front of me and I thought, oh boy, where do they hear I'm from Ontario? I'm going to get booed out of the place, you know. So I introduced the first guy, he was from Montreal, he got a smattering of applause. Next two guys are from Montreal, the next guy was from Quebec. Uh, uh, oh boy, I, I forget, some small town, and he got a good hand. So then they introduced me from Ontario and the place goes wild. What I didn't know was they didn't like these guys from Montreal. So I thought, well, I'm Mickey. Well, like I throw, I slid across right in front of the fans and go, Sabon, Sabon. Well, they all go nuts. I ended up losing, but I had a good time. But uh, except for the lanes, like I said, they oiled them. It was like a rooster tail going down there. You know, it, it helps. Did you, uh, I did a did lot. You of, throw a hook? I, remember, I did a lot of crazy things. I, I was a four-step approach and throw a hook, where everybody in the world was throwing three-step backup. Uh, maybe that's why Marshall Holman was my hero. You know, uh, he was, you know, he had that fiery temper, and it took me a long time. But it took me a couple of incidents before I was able to curb that. Uh, I never kicked a ball rack or did anything like that, but I, one day I was, we were bowling in the uh, qualifying for the open and uh, I punched a head pin and I whacked the wall and it was a magnetic board. So of course everything came down on the floor and boy, how good do you look now picking up all these uh, magnetic things, trying to put them back on the board. You know, some of these guys ended up with 325 averages by the time I was finished, you know, putting the magnets back on. <laughs> And then I think what really curbed my temper was uh, we were in, uh, well, I shouldn't, I shouldn't say it curbed it, but it got close. We are bowling a plantation in Toronto, and uh, I punched a hip in, and we were on a wall lane, and I whacked the wall with my hand. and didn't know it was plaster. My arm went right through. So here I was hanging on the lane, can't get out, and everybody's killing himself laughing, and I can't <laughs> get my arm out. I'm yelling at the guys, will you guys mind getting me out of this, please? <laughs> Well, you know, another embarrassing thing. Uh, you know, we had a couple run-ins on the lanes. Uh, the year we won in 84, we had a run-in with Lake Ontario in the round robin. And one of our guys accidentally slid in front of one of their guys. And, you know, all hell broke loose. Uh, you know, it looks like punches were going to be thrown. And they finally got people there. Uh, Paul Hasselin was getting into it with Brian Kay and, it's hard to believe I'm standing back watching the show. I'm not even saying anything. And, you know, usually I'd have been in the thick of things. Well, they get things calmed down. Nobody gets tossed out and they finish the game. Well, up until now, I haven't said anything. Well, Brian Kay turns to me and he says, uh, you haven't got enough. Like I'm bowling head on with him. And I looked at him and I thought, oh, okay, now you got my attention. I threw a strike and I come back and I pointed at him. I says, I got all I need. And we stopped them and went on to the Nationals. Just nice. things happened. Uh, like I said, I had a uh, pretty good temper. I'm pretty easy going off the lanes, but it took me a while to curb it and 
instead of getting mad now I jumped and I, you know, and slid across lanes and, you know, try to fire the team up. Uh, usually I bowl the lead off and, you know, I try and get the team going. And uh, the only time I, I really bowled anchor is when we went to the Nationals in 86 and uh, our coach Gary Green said to me, he says, you're bowling lead off, but at the first sign of trouble, you're going to anchor. Well, we won the first game 5-3 and he said, you're anchor from here on in. And as luck would have it, we won a goal. But, Nice. We were lucky. We've, we've talked about that lots on this podcast, about the position that you play in the lineup and what that leadoff brings. And you definitely give the impression that you would be a pretty great leadoff to to get the team fired up on the lanes, for sure, Donnie. As long as we threw strikes. <laughs> right. Yeah. Wasn't I, very good with the head. You got the head pins off. I, uh, I had the yeah, I tried to keep people up. That's That was always my game. <laughs> I had had the opportunity to watch you uh, play the singles for the Nova Scotia when you were playing a couple of years ago. Um, they had you on live stream, and you were still uh, full of energy back then there too. So uh, hasn't yeah, that uh, was, uh, hasn't diminished at all a little bit. That was one of those things. Eh? <laughs> uh, we just got back from Hawaii, which was just before the shutdown. Like we come back from Hawaii in January. That was our that was 46 years in the making. I promised her Hawaii, and then finally we got to go. And then before we, just after that, we moved in down here. That, that's a good way to keep her fellows, around. <laughs> yeah. I, I was talking to the fellows from Nova Scotia, and they said, this is our qualifying. Uh, Debbie Purdy sent me the information. Steve Feldham said, here's our qualifying. You know? And I'm thinking, okay, it's probably the same as Ontario, you know, uh, five games one day, five the next. So I said, well, let's go down and give it a go. You know, I've always wanted to wear, you know, a different province, you know, if I can make it, see what happens. So down we go. It's nine games the first day, five the next. And then if you make the stepladder, it's a stepladder. Well, I'm 70 years old at the time. <laughs> well, I ended up bowling 19 games in two days. I lost in the final of the singles. But made the men's team. Now I'm happier than the devil. Now I'm going to be able to wear Nova Scotia blue. And uh, down comes the COVID, and that was the end of that dream. Oh, and, yeah, uh, right. It's COVID, of course. Yeah. COVID yeah, was the end of it. Well, we had qualified, qualified for the Nationals with Nova Scotia. Nice looking team. You know, I was really excited. Uh, and uh, well, then COVID came, and at the end of that dream. These guys uh, still kidding me. They said, I hope you're going to come back and give it another go. I said, are you kidding? I'm 72 right now. I'm ready for the rocker. You want me to go down and throw 19 games again? <laughs> <laughs> well, if you, did it two, if you did it last year, what, what's another year now, Don? Ask my legs that. <laughs> it's every run that the legs that go. You I found out one thing right about now. all that jumping. Uh, <laughs> it's okay going up, but boy, when you land now, it's a different ballgame. Yeah. <laughs> in your bio, you when also I, when I... in your bio, you also talked about a little bit about a, sh a short-lived provincial tour uh, in the mid '80s from at Sherwood, and you had a, a pretty remarkable score, ten-game score of thirty-one seventy-eight. Um, do you remember what, what that tour was like and, and why did it stop? That was the only tournament they had. It stopped right oh. there. Because I think, because you're, 
you're competing in a way with a masters, eh? Now, right. at that time, uh, who could afford both? You know, it's uh, you know, it was a hundred. I think it was a hundred dollars entry fee for that tournament. And uh, it, when you start adding it up, you, to get there, you've already you know gone. Well, it's only two weekends now. Back you know way back when it was three. You know, three Sundays you bowl ten games, but uh, you know you're going away for three days. You're taking three days off work. You're paying for that's a thousand dollar deal. And then if you go all west, yeah. sure it's free to get there. And uh, but you know, money you're going to spend yourself and the time off work. Boy, it's an expensive deal. You know, uh, for a guy that blew money like nothing, uh, it was uh, a rude awakening for me. Uh, it just, you know, the ends didn't justify the means. And I think that's why the tour went down, you know. And there was, there was a lot of open tournaments around, too, like uh, Windsor. We went to Windsor one year and bowled the Palladium. Uh, there was a lot of open tournaments around. Then you want to throw this in, uh, it just wasn't going to work. There's only so much money, around, you know, going around. Now, how about, um, you had mentioned earlier about in 84, you're on CBC, and you, the guy's giving you the trouble about, you threw the 171, you still made five grand. Um, but how about the other CBC experiences you had at, at 87, 96, and then also TSN, you, you played as well. Can you tell us a little bit uh -huh. more of those experiences? Okay, 87 was uh, at Bull Gino. I won my first match, can't even tell you who I'd be. Uh, I played Gino, and I went right down the last... Like I said, to the end, and uh, so I got 2,500, and Gino went on to the semifinals. Uh, I'm pretty sure Gino won that year. I'm not sure, but, you know, uh, when you get older, your mind gets a little foggy. And uh, that followed the – I think I was back a year from having cancer. And uh, a surprise, I went down and qualified and made it. I uh, shot 2,800 or something to make the, make the show, and uh, – Boy, I, I think I bowled a young fellow from Quebec. I know I lost my first game. Anyway. Now I shot 240, 250 or something, and you know, got smoked. TSN deal—that's a real corker. <laughs> we go down, and you know, you got everybody down there for the. We're in there a day early, and a few of the people. One of them, you know, do you know Toronto very well? I said, Well, I know Young Street. You know, where do you want to go? I said, Well, there's a they said there's a bar called the Zanzibar. So I lay, I got about five of them in the car. Down I go because I know what the Zanzibar is. So down we go. We walk inside. You know, the girls, I think it was Lori Thompson, I think was with us, and uh, Lori Stefanik now. And uh, mm -hmm. uh, a couple of guys. Anyway, one of the guys was a guy who was bowling the next day. He was from Manitoba. can't remember his name. But we're all shooting around. Well, it's a strip joint. They looked at me and they turned about three shades of red. I said, well, maybe I can get you guys a job. And they said, get us out of here. <laughs> Where we went. <laughs> so, so the next day, we, uh, I'm bowling this. I can't remember this fellow's name. We made all, all kind of made a deal that, you know, don't shut the guy out. Eh? Don't shut anybody out. Well, he let me win the 10th frame because it was 9-1. Mm -hmm. um, that was my TSN experience. It was a lot of fun, but short-lived. Yeah. That's too bad. 
Um, switching gears a little bit, um, you had mentioned Mikey or Mickey Piker a couple of times um, here, and obviously being able to read the lanes. And you had mentioned that he's one of your you know great mentors. Uh, but you've also got a few other guys that I know that you looked up to over the when you were young and, and played. Tell us um, some of those names and, and why they were yeah, really great mentors for you. Well, unfortunately, all of them passed away. But uh, Jack Nichols, he's the one that got me. That's the first year they allowed kids out of YBC at 16 to... And uh, he's the one... You better do a lot of work because when you're bowling inner city, there's seven or eight guys in the team and you've got three frames to prove yourself, no matter who you are. I mean, if you've got, you know, a strike and, you know, a quarter pin spare and a pick or something, a few frames, we don't care if it's three head pins, you know, you're on the bench. Well, I've never been on a bench for anything in my life. So I learned that in a hurry and that, Really got me working on my game. Um, Donnie Walker, he's another one that's uh, got the competitive juices flowing. And, you know, he kind of said, you know, you, you got to calm that temper down a bit, you know, and uh, take it easy. Uh, you know, you're a little too volatile on the lanes. You know, quite punched the head pin and say, missed, didn't get the side with the next ball. The third ball was an air ball, you know, so stuff like that. And uh, Mickey's the one that got me reading the lanes, you know, uh, plus a good friend uh, for since I was, I don't know, probably 18, 19. I know Mickey, and, uh, just a class act kind of guy, probably one of the best bowlers ever in Niagara, one of the best bowlers in Ontario one time. Uh, he was just, you know, just super person. Uh, Johnny Schools, you saw on two of my teams. He tried to get me to go to three steps and a backup. And that lasted about five minutes. He says, forget it, go back to your other way. And uh, he's the one that got me really changing speeds. And you know, as, as you got older, I did a lot of other crazy things with, uh, never mind changing speeds. Next time you pick up a bowling ball, tuck your left, your two fingers on your hand, underneath the ball as far as you can, put your thumb up and it hurts. Well, guess what? No matter how early the lanes are, you're going to be able to roll the ball because it forces the ball to roll. Just something I picked up when I used it on a TV show first time I was on, and it said it got me to the finals. I just forgot the ball in the last game, that's all. Um, Donnie Damon, I knew him all my life since I was a kid. He was around when I started at uh, 16 bowl in inner city, and he threw the ball about 111 miles an hour. You know, you know I threw mine about 40. Uh, but he, another guy that talked to me, he says, you want to be in this game? you got to practice. I'll help you. You know, it just, I was lucky. I had so many mentors, you know, so many people that piece by piece, they put the puzzle together. And uh, finally, you know, it kicked in and the pieces fell into place. And I was able to play as well as I have and had as much fun as I've had. Uh, I think a lot of it had to do with pitching softball, too, in the summer. Uh Plus, sure. I bowled tapping. We had a shop league team, and that was, uh, you know, good time. I uh, got out of 10 pin in a hurry. It didn't hurt my game at all. I was carrying 270 and 5 pin when I was bowling 10 pin, so it, was, you know, it wasn't affecting my game at all, you know. But uh, in uh, Ontario, or especially in Niagara, there was no money in 
10-pin. I bowled in one of their tournaments. It shows you how crazy this is. Pulled up a buddy of mine. I said, you got a 10-pin ball? I went down to their big tournament. This was their big tournament of the year. You know, they had, I don't know, 90, 100 bowlers in it. And they have a stepladder afterwards. But it's it's handicapped, you know. So, okay, I had about a 175 average. So, down I go, well, I won the tournament. I think, hey, this is pretty neat. So, I get a check for $300. And I thought to myself, this is your big tournament. I won 300 bucks. And the Masters, you get, you know, 200 for qualifying. Never mind one of the tournament. And, uh, I think that was the last turn, temp and turn I ever went in. No. But I also lose the St. Catharines and, uh, you know, I'll throw in horseshoes. That doesn't hurt. Ask uh, Walter Ray Williams, you know, because yep. uh, uh-huh. you're aiming for a spot. So all these things contribute and, and having the people that were able to guide me and try and keep me out of trouble and trying to keep my temper under control. Uh, really helped. Your mic's off, Dex. You're muted there, Dex. <laughs> I'm hitting all sorts of buttons. If you had to choose between candle pin and ten pin, which one would you choose and why? Oh, I think to me, it's the toughest game I've ever bowled. It's uh, Way tougher in temp, and they dress the lanes for these guys. And I'm not taking anything away from them because they're amazing when you watch these pros. But they, you know, how many 300s do you see every year? How many 450s do you see? You never see one cattle. I don't think I've ever heard anybody shot 200. You know, it's the game is you throw one in the pocket and you think you're there, like with pipe, and you throw in the pocket. Worse you're going to get is maybe tap in a corner. You throw in a pocket here, you could have five pins looking out at you, all in the back row. You know? It's uh, way harder. It's, it's, uh, I've been asked to bowl in tournaments. I'm having fun with it. My days of traveling are over. You know, I enjoy the game, and that's where it's going to, this will be probably the last game I throw. It, it's yeah. They have um. They have worlds out there against uh, from for cattlepin from the the eastern provinces versus the eastern states. Um, I think you should at least try for that. You should at least try well, that they're... one time for worlds. They have some. They have... Uh, PEI of five pin, then they come back and bowl five or ten games of cattlepin. So. Mm-hmm. Something like that, I would probably do just for laughs. You know, uh, yeah. I can remember ten pin bowler. My father, my father was a decent bowler. My father was. Uh, he wrote a bowling column for twenty five years that my buddy Bruce Lounsbury took over, and he had the first uh, uh, radio show every Sunday night. He had a radio show on five pin bowling, and uh, he the play, he worked at the same plant as me. He was probably the reason I got in there. But uh, he challenged the tent vendors. He said, well, bowl five games, and I'll take my five five vendors, and we'll go bowl, bowl five games of each. So out they went. They bowled the first five games of 10-pin. The 10 vendors only had a 150-pin lead going to bowl five-pin. Well, after the first game, it was over. The 10 vendors walked off the lane. You know, they saw how different the game was, you know, like. Totally. 
Craig Woodhouse, who is the uh, best ten pinner ever to come out of St. Catharines, he now coaches the Columbia Olympics team uh, for ten pin bowling. Coached them for years, and he also coached. Uh, he played on the Canadian national team, and uh, we had a discussion. They had us on a TV show one night, and they said uh, we said to him, "Don't ever bring up which game is tougher because they're both tough, you know." But uh, Candlepin is the toughest game I've come across. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's something on my bucket list for sure to go out there and play actual Candlepin. We have a set of Candlepins at the bowling lanes and. We've set them up a few times and played around with them, but uh, that's that's about the extent. Oh, it's a hoop. It's it is well, a hoop. You can uh, play the good with it. <laughs> you can make some are incredible the, shots. Are the bowling balls the same size? They're lighter. No, they're smaller. Yeah. I think they're 4 I think. Yeah. But. Diameter wise, I think they're so, the same. Yeah. I, I, no, they're, forgive they're me. Smaller than the, they're smaller too. They're smaller. They're four and, and a half, I believe. Do you throw it harder then? Well, I, or do yeah, you still try easy. to fingers and still try to go, you know, finesse it? Go the same way. Chuck it. change. Right. Do you, do you no. ever notice? You These know, guys kind of look at me. And say, well, they kind of look at me and say, geez, you know, you're, you're throwing 110 and you're throwing, you're 70 years old and you're, you know, 112 average or whatever and you're just roll the ball. I said, well, not going to change, you know. I'd maybe throw a tighter line than I would normally do, but uh, you know, same stuff. A lot of them rocket the ball down. Some, some, a lot of them throw easy too. You know, it's all the action. You know that yourself, pulling five and it's, uh, you know the finish on the ball. You know, yeah, you can spin off for sure. Yeah. That's right. It's all, it's all basics. You know, the game is a, it's a game of basics. It was. Three things that I always did when I went on the lanes, and it's the way I taught the kids to do. You pick the ball up, you get your feet set, and you look at your feet, and you make sure they're on the right dots that you stand every time. And you don't look at the pins until you're ready to go, because you have a three-second span when you look up, and then things go fuzzy, believe me. So if you let that go three seconds after you look up, you know, you're going to be in good shape. That's... The way I taught the kids, that's the way I bowl. Right. Hmm. Some guys are up there for hours. Bob Bob Gaylor from BC. I could have a cup of coffee and three beers by the time he threw his first ball. You know, with his wind-up thing. And I can say that because we're good friends. Yeah, three three seconds seems about perfect for me. I like it. Three seconds might be too long. I don't know. <laughs> that, that's or anything else. Said. You start that's way too long. Yeah. yeah. Um, this is an interesting comment. Gig bets. Is that a family member that uh, won CBA doubles with Hal Dickinson in 1954? Nice, nice stat there. Yes, sir. That's my dad. Me. He used to call yeah. giggles because he used to laugh a lot. <laughs> He was a he was an all around athlete too. He uh, when he was in high school, he used to kick barefooted, and that's when they had that oblong ball, eh? And he used to average fifty yards. Hmm. He was he played hockey, played everything. I couldn't play hockey because I had uh, weak ankles, and good thing they had boards up when I was around because that's what I used to stop with. <laughs> <laughs> that's me. I feel like that would be the Wiseman twins. 
Oh, I can make a left turn. Can't make a right turn. Like that's... <laughs> no, I can't. I can't do anything, man. You can't skate, hey? Yeah. No, I, no, I can I remember reason a puck once. Uh, I thought it was a, a mistake. Yeah. A uh, couple of pretty cool accomplishments I'd like to get to here, John, is um, in you were ranked seventh all time in Ontario Five Pins Top 90 project. That's a pretty cool accomplishment, especially to be seventh uh, in Ontario. I mean, there's a lot of good players we've heard over the over the podcast and in the years in general. Um, so that's a pretty neat accomplishment. How did how did that come together for you? Yeah, that was a real honor. Uh, you know, I had a few good years for sure, and uh, boy, to be put in the company of the guys that were in front of me and behind me and the ladies, it made me feel pretty good. Right? I, I think this is what's happened. It was another reason I think when I I knew when I had enough of fight, and uh, there wasn't anything more that I wanted to do. Uh, I hated the coach. I only coached twice. I, you know, people say, did you feel like you had to be up there? That's why it bothered you. I said, no, not once did I ever feel that way. Uh, I was never a poor loser. I was a hard loser. I hated to lose. And, uh, you know, I walk off the lanes fine. But when I coached and I watched us in the uh, provincial finals, where this is when they had the round robin, when you were down to four teams, you bowled everybody twice. We had a 10-point lead with three, point, three games to go. And uh, we never won a game the second day. Blew a 10-point lead. And that hit home. I said, said to the guys afterwards, you know, I said, maybe it's my fault. You know, and then, you know of course, they're not going to blame the coach. They're the ones throwing the ball. But I blamed myself, and I never coached again. That was it. Yeah, I, I feel like it's a... Uh... It's a different sort of responsibility, obviously, right? As a coach. And- oh, it's tough. I shouldn't say I coached again because I coached a young young lady. This is a pretty good story. A young lady, 12 years old, parents came to me. Her name was Robin Crawford and said, can you help my daughter? She's, you know, she wants to, she's bowling in the singles in the uh, uh, zone. And I said, okay, this is back in the time when you couldn't go down and coach them. Once they went to the zone, you had to stand back and not say anything. So I worked with her, boy, I don't know, a couple of times a week. She went one the one there, and then she went to the provincials and finished third. So so they buy a ten pin lanes in Tennessee called Walkley Lanes. She becomes a ten pin bowler. She goes to St. Cloud State on a 10-pin scholarship, wins the national title, goes to Las Vegas to get the, I think it's called the Hobie Baker Award. I can't remember the name of it. And to be, she was the best in uh, uh, the United States. And uh, when she did her speech, she said, it all started with me. And, you know, that was the best uh, compliment you could ever give me. And uh, now she works for Brunswick. She's married to Billy Orlikowski. They were both on the tour. She was on the women's tour for a while, and Billy was on the Tampa tour for a while. And they both live in, live in Michigan. And uh, when I was in St. Catharines, a couple of times they, she came up, and you know, I was able to meet her and see her again. So it was uh, that was my one coaching thing that went well. 
<laughs> nice. That's pretty good. You, that's the one you ended on. You'd be like, yeah, yeah I did it. Just yeah, like all the other things you say, yeah. yeah. Like, I don't mind helping people, no problem. I will never tell you on the lanes what you're doing wrong unless you ask me. Yeah. And then I'll, you know, I'll suggest something, but I will never coach another team or do anything like that. Well, we started that little little tidbit about saying how great of an honor it was to be Ontario Five's seventh, and nice deflection to the coaching side of things. And for somebody else, there, Don, good on you. Um, but also, you were named uh, top one hundred bowlers of all time in two thousand nine as well. So that's a pretty cool honor for for you as well. That was really good. When you're you know when you're taking a little you know the best in the last hundred years, like. And like, you know, we're going back, you know, starting in the, you know, 30s and 40s. It was really uh, to be mentioned in the same breath with a lot of these people like Fraser Hambly, you know, Mickey was in the top 100, uh, Johnny Schools, uh, you know, Marge Summers, like, you know, three people from Niagara, and, and Walter Heaney. Walter, another good friend of mine, and uh, we go back, and he's kind of dodged me through a few, uh, <laughs> incidents, needless to say, you know. Uh, Walter could probably tell you stories too. That's for sure. We uh, he used to just shake his head at me, you know. Was, I don't believe you're for real. And like I said, Paul Aslan said, "I sold my soul to the devil." That's the only reason I kept winning. <laughs> but I, you know, as much as I. I had a good time and partied and, and had fun. I, I always came to play the next day. I never let the team, I can honestly say I never let my team down. You know, whether I was out all night or I was in bed early. Uh, uh, I remember Ashland in 84 when we won the uh, uh, night before the second round robin. And you guys get into bed. Keith Porter, great big fella. You guys get into bed early there. Yeah, okay. So me and Keith were rooming together then. And, so Paul came in to check out us about 11 o'clock and, you know, we're both in bed. Walked away. Ten minutes later, me and Porter were out the door, you know, out all night. <laughs> Performed the next day, good enough for us to win. So, uh, yeah, we had these things that go on. Uh, I guess I was a bit of a character, needless to say. But I, I enjoyed the game. I loved the game. Um, I tried not to, uh, you know, disappoint people. Uh, I wore my heart on my sleeve. When I bowled Niagara, I, when I bled, I bled Niagara blue. I, uh, it's, it's where I came from. That's why it would have been nice to wear blue Nova Scotia. Yeah. 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 Still you, you, can. You have it's to have to get it back on. That's right. Like you have to have that in the game. You. And you got to be able to let it go when you walk off the lanes. I know it's hard, but it's a game, okay? It's, it's not life and death. We treated it like life and death, believe me, in the 80s and 90s. We treated it like life and death. Like, I, the way I, I was bad that way. But uh, it's a game. But don't miss what goes on around you besides you get to meet people. I've got friends, you know, that I, I haven't, you know, been on the Nationals in years, but I have friends across all the provinces that I still keep in contact with. Kevin O'Leary in Newfoundland, like, just a terrific guy because we had more, you know, good trouble, you know. 
control. <laughs> Needless to say. <laughs> but, uh, You're absolutely right. Bob Gaylor, like, like I said, Bob Gaylor, he took a half an hour to throw the ball, like two drinks in between. That was another thing I liked about uh, KG. That was the first tournament I ever went where you could drink on the line. Didn't have that back here. We had strict rules. No, it's, so that was pretty neat. Should come to play the Should WCBT. Yeah, yeah, come to the tour. Yeah. Um, obviously, you've you've played a few decades here, Don. That uh, what what are some of the biggest changes that you've seen in the game um, for the good or for the better? And is there anything that you you know, would have changed earlier, or uh, or or wouldn't have changed. I guess um, go on that topic for a couple minutes. I'll I got to think about that. Uh, like I said, uh, don't forget in the beginning we had wooden pins, you know, great rubbers, like uh, you know, wooden lanes. Pinfall was you know out of this world, you know, compared to you know what it is now. Uh, uh, I, th I think if we'd have gone to more sponsors, you know, like the, the CBC show was, was a real stepping stone for us. We just couldn't carry it on. Like we had championship bowling too back in the, I'm going to say the 60s. Uh, I know Fraser Hamlet was on the TV show and they had this bowler from Quebec that Morissette, Andre Morissette. And uh, the weekly show, he won for, oh, I'm going to say six or seven weeks. But I think what they did to him, because of that, you know, that big uh, duck pin ball that he threw, is they, I think John Martin went halfway down the lanes with the oil, stopped for about six feet and then oiled again. So his ball would go through the oil, turn over, and then hit the oil again. You know, I think he threw about a buck and a half and, uh, you know, got him off the show. But, you know, we, we were all, don't forget, there was no string machines back then. It was all double diamond, Strickland, you know. Uh, the, the pinfall was fantastic. You know, I mean, the bowlers were great too. You know, don't forget we're using alley balls. We weren't, uh, you know, we hadn't got to the stage where we're using, uh, you know, bowling balls that were, you know, you could bring your bring your own, buy your own. You know, different weights, different speeds. You know, I wouldn't know one from the other. Like I've, I've bought two sets of balls in my life, and that was just after we came back from Saskatoon when I won KG, and that was in the 80s, whatever. And uh, I still got a set of them. One that Greg tells me that one's plastic and one is rubber. So I, I listen to him. Thanks, Greg. <laughs> I, you know, no idea. I'm old school. Like uh, uh, I used the balls off the rock. I didn't care. You know. So, but when they told me that if they put balls on the rack, another player's balls were on the rack, like when we were in KG. Now you could use any ball in the rack, you know, this, you know, free play. So I did it one day just to cheese one of the guys off for one frame in a tournament. <laughs> I did, I just did it for fun, and he took it as fun too. It wasn't, uh, you know. He looked at me first and then thought, "Oops," you know. So, now, anyway. how about your feelings on, uh, you know, the 18-inch versus the 17-inch, and then also the pin bases? Um, obviously, the changing up and the different. Um, you know, size of those. What's your feelings on that change? Well, don't forget, you're what, 95% strings now? Oh, West, probably all strings, right? There's yeah. a couple. Okay, there's not very many free fall machines, so. Yeah. And now, 
always the problem with the pins was the rubbers. I found in the last, you know, say 10 years I bought. They're try everybody's trying to get the right rubbers, the, you know, uh, people uh, that, that produce the rubbers. Some are harder than others, some are stiffer, some give, you know, some fall off. Um, and then you, and boy, you know, you got a different, you know, I, I wouldn't want to start over again, put it that way. Uh, these, these are the, the pinfall. And then I went out to uh, KG and they were incredible. Like I couldn't believe the pinfall. Now, what was the difference? I have no idea. You know, back in Ontario. And, uh, I don't care. I mean, the boulders are great. But uh, it didn't matter whether you threw hard or soft. But uh, the pinfall was tremendous in the lanes out west with uh, the strings where I don't know whether the cheaper machines or were the same length, the pins were the same, you know. Like I said, they're, they're all, the sizes are always changing, you know. Well, look at the bowling balls. How many different, look at Greg Seller. Like, you know, he's got about 7,000 balls on their bottom, you know. And, uh, yeah. The, the game has really got special. And, and to me, it started when they brought in the personalized balls. Uh, we, when we were out of KG and that first came out, we bought three there. I gave two to Mickey and I took one. I said, you think, because we're not going to be on the same lane. And uh, it would, I could see the advantage. You know, you've got the same weight all the time, you know. And, uh, but I think they're changing the pins. I don't know if they're changing the health of the game or hinder the game. I don't know. Uh, you can only go so far with this. You go any farther and it's going to make the game worse. Uh, they made the changes in the game way back when, when they took the counter pin out because the average bowler would go out and he'd missed, you know, the corner two out of three times that was counter the counter pin. And he got frustrated and didn't want to bowl anymore. So the West had the bright idea about taking the corner pin out and we didn't take it out that year. And that was the first year the you know, they didn't have the Canadians. They had an East-West championship. And uh, uh, when they took the counter pin out, that helped everybody. It didn't help. It didn't do a lot for the uh, for the great, for like the, the 250 bowler. It maybe made a point, a pin or two, because he's not going to miss it. But it brought the game back to life because now people wanted to play the game. But you keep specializing this game, and you're only going to make it worse. And... Uh, I know they're trying to tinker with it to make it better, but, you know, only take it so far. That's good comments. I like that. Um, yeah. Go ahead, Carrie. makes a lot of sense. Uh, just, just, just agreeing, it just makes a lot agree. of sense, right? Um, John, do you, do you follow, uh, you know, the WCBT or the club tour? Are you, are you keeping up to date with some of the, uh, well, you know, young, younger you know, shooters or some of the things going on in the, in the circuits and, and what are your oh, thoughts on all these tournaments that are happening well we got a kid down there that Mitch Davies he, he's something else but, uh, well now that we mentioned Mitch Davies and you guys probably know him uh, great <laughs> yeah, shooter yeah. Um, he's, he's we've had, not that good we've had our running but, uh, yeah. you know I'm, I'm, old, I'm old school he's young school you know, and uh, it's the way things are. In fact, my we have a tournament named after my dad uh, back in St. Catharines that's uh, been running for, I don't know, pretty close to 30 years now. Um, 
handicap tournament. Uh, well, Mitch, he probably went five years before he cashed. Uh, and, and mind you, good shooters win it. Paul Aslan's won it a couple of times. Like we've had, uh, you know, guys win it. No problem that, you know, our scratch. But Mitch, he just couldn't get used to the lanes. And I couldn't figure it out because when he comes down there for the Masters, he lights them up. So, I mean, it's uh, always open. Uh, that's why we start at 11 because that's when the bar opens. So, it's, uh, you know, I was lucky enough to win it a couple of times. Uh, I mean, my father would roll over in a grave knowing that uh, it's a handicap because he always felt that was, you know, tournament is for, you know, no no handicap. You bowl scratcher. It's not a real tournament to him. But having the bar open at 11, he would be very impressed with that. So. <laughs> <laughs> but a young Mitch, he, to me, he's the best shooter we got out there now. He is the real deal, you know. And uh, he's got the fire, you know. He... Gets a little upset, uh, but he he has got. Uh, I tell you, he can play, and uh, you know we've, we've got. A lot, I follow a few of the guys like Mike Herbert uh, and uh, Christine Carey. Like, yeah, I've got to know them. You know, in my last you know few years that I bowled, and you know they used to come down. But you know, it's uh, well, yeah, we've got a lot of nice people. Uh, Young shooters, like I said, I follow what I can, but uh, it's kind of what I said. I just kind of ease out of the game, and uh, you know, I've uh, had fun. It's nice to be remembered, like you guys bring me on the show. That's that's terrific. That's nice to be remembered. Uh, uh, the game has done a lot for me. It was a great part-time job, and uh, met a lot of nice people. And I'll probably cheese a few off too, but that's was my nature, and uh, you know, it's. Uh, it's a great sport. Uh, it's, it was a great sport when I started to look because it was, you know, you, you, you know, you paid, I don't know, 50 cents to bowl or whatever. And, uh, you know, your shoes were free. And the neighborhood I grew up in the West End uh, was a tough neighborhood. And uh, who could afford these things? Everybody was, your father was a factory worker, you know. Uh, either worked at the factory or he worked in the mill. And uh, we had a lot of factories around the town. And this was a you know, you couldn't afford it. Uh, I remember my father, when he bought me my first baseball glove, uh, you know, it, it cost a lot of money. And, you know, I was only 11 at the time. And, uh, you know, it was a lot of money to them. So, uh, but he was another guy that liked to have a good time. You know, he worked hard. And when the weekend came, look, oh, he liked to have a good time. I guess I came by it honestly. The apple don't fall apart from the tree. <laughs> nice. Love it. Well, I'm super grateful and thankful that we were able to have you on here, Don. This is a, a great look back into the history and the past of uh, of Ontario bowling. Um, we've heard your name quite a few times over the last little while, like we said earlier. So very, uh, very glad we were able to have you on and, and learn a bit. And, and your story sounds like you're, you had you had some good fun and you had a lot of success on the lanes. So um, thanks for thanks for coming on and sharing the, the history and the stories and, and, and some of the names that you, you shared along with us. Thank you very much, guys. I really appreciated it. And uh, next time you ever have me on, make it earlier. <laughs> sure. It's a, it's a little late out there. For... It's usually by 9 o'clock. It's nighttime. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for yeah. sure. <laughs> thanks a lot, guys. I had a lot of fun. Thanks, buddy. Really oh, appreciate having you on. on. Well, that was awesome. That was a uh, uh, 
just from the little bit we got to talk to him, he obviously has a lot of stories and a lot of stories you could tell he kind of wanted to share, but didn't know if he really should. There's some backstory to a few of those, uh, those good ones for sure. Oh yeah. I, I mean, most of his stories, he it's, it's not even about the bowling. Literally almost every yes. story was about, about something going on in the background. I mean, ultimately that's the greatest part of the game. And that's why, that's why we loved Bruce so much. And all those people too, is just, as good as they were on the lanes, they were better people off the lanes and hilarious and a good time and just people you want to spend your time around, right? Well, yeah. it sounds like he had a little bit of fun outside the lanes, right? <laughs> so some late nights mm. and enjoyed the drink and didn't take it too serious. I mean, when you got in the lanes, obviously it was very serious, but, um, you know, enjoyed himself off. And, and I think that's what makes uh, his character obviously so memorable is that. Yeah. I, I think it's I think it's a good uh, uh, maybe a good thing to to realize you can have a little bit of fun and enjoy yourself and bowl within like have the the, the mix of both right I mean um, I think we're coming up to the point where sometimes we do feel like it's a little bit of a business or a little bit of a profession and you're you're allowed to have fun you're allowed to enjoy yourself um, I do have to admit that uh, we do come up with an agenda and I, I'm just grateful that Don took. And he just ran with the show. Uh, he touched yep. points on the agenda, and I don't think we touched, and we didn't yep. have to follow any points, and that's great. I mean, I, I love that because you know why? Um, that's what the guest is on there for, and that's what we document this for as a podcast, right? Um, and I really enjoy getting to know Don and the stories and, uh, and knowing the background of things we never knew before. So that's great. Yeah, I'm. I'm really looking forward to. I hope he plays a lot more Candlepin and um, tries to make the Nova Scotia team again. Stuff um, with live streaming stuff like that would be pretty neat to actually watch him play. And uh, obviously, not being of that era, we didn't get to see him in his heyday and stuff like that. We'll have to scrounge the archives and see if we can pull up some old CBCs and TSNs with him on. Um, but yeah, like like you said, DB, we've heard stories over from Greg Pederitis and Barker and Talbot and all those guys talking about him. And now we actually get to put a face to the, the stories. And I I believe every single one of them for sure. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I feel like, like I said, I said it during the show, but I think that Don and I would have gotten along just fine in, in, yeah. in some of the... The, the, the after parties and some of those things and some of the pranks and you know eating the pizza you know taking furniture out of a room you know putting guys into elevators i mean this is this was my wheelhouse i didn't take it too serious I, uh you know and you know playing other sports you know i think that was important too like you talked about the baseball or talked about the basketball right so for him or bowling was a little bit of a secondary thing and that grew over time um, but it wasn't wasn't so primary early on, and, and you could just allow yourself to have some fun. I know mm-hmm. we all we all do that, but yeah, I, I definitely think that Don and I would have gotten along just fine. So, and yeah. still would, right? So, yeah, yeah. And even even his stories about um, like how the Masters was so expensive and the tour stuff, and it it still all holds true today, yeah. right? There's a lot of reasons people don't play Masters due to the the time restraints and the cost and. He was saying at least they got a thousand dollars back for winning. Like, what do we get back? Three hundred? I know we don't have the numbers Ontario did for sure, but we we do the same thing. We pay for hotels. We go three times a year to go play these tournaments and might win three hundred dollars back, right? It's yeah. A, yeah. It's an expensive sport, and uh, I'm just happy that 
uh, we have the amount of people that are still involved in it. Yeah. It's exciting to be able to, you know, be part of this podcast for one, but also the WCBT tour. Um, you know, I look at 20 years from now, where is this tour going to be? And where's the stats that you're going to be able to generate? And, you know, there's going to be a number of um, legends that will be born out of playing these types of things, right? So maybe future generations will be holding different podcasts that they'll be interviewing some of our great players um, for some of the great memories that uh, that they're doing right now. So there's, there's definitely an opportunity for people to get involved in the game, to, to play tournaments, um, and build a, a long-lasting legacy for, for five-pin bowling. So mm -hmm. yeah, for sure. it's fun to be part of. Absolutely. So, Tim, who do we have on for next week? Uh, we have uh, Doug Clark. We finally got Dougie on after a while. And then we got uh, Jeff Bourne on. So, yes. um, I'm excited for really for both of them. Doug is uh, going to be awesome. And uh, Jeff will be great, too. Um, I'm hoping he follows the agenda. Because Jeff, Jeff, Jeff won't. Okay. So, so. No. He's going to just but, break yeah. out his song. We're just going to go like this. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so it's going to be great having both of those on. And then uh, uh, once uh, tax season finishes up for Carrie in about two days, we can work on the 100, uh, 100 uh, podcast. And uh, we have some really good ideas that we've been uh, putting in our in our group chat that Carrie hasn't listened to yet, so uh, he's gonna have to go back and maybe look back at those. So we'll, we'll go yeah, on that for sure. Yeah. yeah, and then even after that, though, into the one hundreds, you know, Tim, I know you're working on a, a great lineup yeah. of people, and John Willock here, you know, says honoring the stars from the past, and that's right. You know, there, there's a ton of people that are on Tim's list that uh, we're starting to work our way through. But absolutely, if you you think that there's a quality guest mm -hmm. that uh, has some good stories and would be would be good for us, um, fire Tim a message, <laughs> right? There's, so, there's lots of people. So something I was thinking about for the hundred, and I'm just we haven't really really talked about was maybe coming up with a Google Doc and saying uh, what your guys' top five guest is and top five favorite moment is or funny moment from our podcast. Maybe I can add a question: is who what guest you might want to see on there? And then I can compile that. It makes it a little bit easier. Uh, Daryl and I have a, a list of about 150 different guest members we have, we have interested on there that we talk about daily. But, I mean, hey, adding people to the list is, doesn't hurt, right? So um, I, always, I always enjoy uh, adding, talking, and learning about new people. So. And Tim, you do a great job of uh, getting the agenda put together and doing the bio. And I know you put a lot of work into into talking to the, the people beforehand and debriefing mm -hmm. them and, and getting some history. So good work on that. Keep it up. Absolutely. Yeah. You bet. Perfect. Uh, well, so we might as well move on to our all-star draw of the week. So if you commented in the chat, Dexter diligently put your name in. Did and, I uh, ever. <laughs> I even got John Willick in there at the last second nice. and then completely skipped over Jeff Watts. Perfect. <laughs> Just the way Jeff likes it. So, uh, how many towns are randomizing it today, boys? Um, I think Don had three perfect games, so let's do it yeah. three times. Yeah, good shout. Yep. All right. Here we go. Once. Once. Twice. All right, let's see who the winner is. No, Jeff, we're not going to randomize it 69 times. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Ooh, this will make Jeff happy. 
<laughs> Marla, Marla wins. Nice. Congratulations, Marla. We'll send you a, a message tomorrow in regards to it. And I think we just need to gather your email address and then we'll get All Star in contact with you for their prize of the week. So um, thanks again, everybody, the chat. Um, for everybody that chats, um, we do read them as they're going. As you can see, I smile and laugh and giggle at some of them. <laughs> they may not all make the screen. We try and pick out the ones that are specific to our guests saying hello and stuff like that. But don't ever think we're not reading the chat. Your comments and your your uh, insight is definitely engaging for us. And hopefully it's engaging for everybody else watching. Well, too. Except for Jeff Cannon mentioning <laughs> the, the visor or the headband for the 97th time. 97 so, Connor McDavid time. Like, I think very, that's gotta go, bud. Gotta there go. it get, is. There yeah, it is. Yeah, get some new material, so, Cannon. No, get some new he's material. Totally engaging. Jeff, yeah. keep it coming. Yeah. If you want to be on the show ever, then you might want to stop chirping about the visor. Just saying, pal. Yeah. Yeah. He, he's on the no fly zone, I think. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Well, we'll see everybody next week. And thanks, thanks everybody. Again, guys. Yeah. Thank you. Okay. See you guys. See you.